So, what is like the one of the first things you would want to do once things kind of go back to normal? And by that I mean normal as in pre like, like normal March. normal. Yeah. Like what is the thing one of the things you miss the most that I you can't just, do like, now? Honestly, I just want to like walk around a mall. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like so little. I mean, little. you can do that right now. Yeah, technically but... we can walk around the mall, but actually, no, I lied. The first thing that I want to do once all this bullshit goes away is delete Zoom off of my fucking laptop and have a party. A, a non-Zoom party. Yeah, a, a, a non-Zoom in, in, An party. in-person party. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel you there. Um, that's one of the first things I would want to do other than going to bars and bar hopping because yeah. i miss that uh, okay but i i i want to do that you know okay. there's well, plenty of bars that i would like to go to in the city that if they don't close down before now uh, yeah if they don't close down before now um but it's just kind of one of the things that you take for granted you know well that, yeah because it's like thing that something that you can do you don't even think about it it's just like when you're bored you want to do something like oh like let's go to dinner or like let's go grab a drink or whatever um now you really can't do that i mean i guess you can in a sense if it's there's like outdoor dining and whatnot but it's not the same no i miss that kind of intimacy you know when you're sitting at like a bar Mm -hmm. you have the bartender they're like having conversations back and forth yeah i miss that so awesome it's partially one of the reasons why i've been stocking up on alcohol this entire time facts (laughs) anywho (laughs) um Welcome to the War and Love podcast. Welcome back, guys. I am your host, Mike. And I'm Ashley. And uh, today we're going to be reviewing two TV series that we watched. Because um, we had a little bit of time to watch a show. Or more like more like Ashley had a lot of time <laughs> now to watch a show. Yeah, she's... I don't really have much to do nowadays until like the end of August. Right. Um, but... Before we get to that, we're going to touch on some stuff that we've been uh, watching or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, in the warm-up. Okay, so do you want to start? Do you have anything? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, I've kind of been watching the same things over... Um, the span of the few times that we have done our podcast. So I've kind of talked about all the ones. I'm still getting through Vampire Diaries. Um, The Bold Type just came back on again, which I was surprised that it actually did. Continuing with World of Dance and America's Got Talent is now like shifting. I finally realized how they're going to be doing it because if you guys remember before I talked about how they started filming America's Got Talent probably about like two weeks before the whole pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And so the very first few episodes is of them actually with like a, a live studio audience 
the people that are giving their talents are like all together in like this really small room, just basically the way that it normally is. And now the last episode that I just watched, they phased from the live studio audience to no audience whatsoever. So it was only the judges and the acts that were performing and the performers were still around other people. And they kind of hinted at the fact that the following episode that's going to be airing kind of takes like another turn and it's going to be like virtual. So it's going to kind of be how American Idol finished out their season when everybody was like competing through Zoom and whatever it was and just kind of like live streaming. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. But I don't know like if you feel the same way, but do you find yourself like when you're watching stuff nowadays and you're just like looking at different pictures and you just like catch yourself being like, well, they're not wearing like a mask or they're not social distancing or whatever it is. Like I just find myself like thinking about like, wow, this is so different than what it used to be. You mean when I'm watching like a TV show? Yeah, like a TV show and just in general or like if if anything along those lines, you're like, well, now I can't do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really watch too many live yeah, stuff, so I, I can't really, you know, yeah, go you're off more of that. like a anime type of person or, or movie in general or yeah. anything like that. But Something yeah, scripted. I guess that's true. But like anything that's like in person, like I catch myself be like, wow, this is like completely different. And it's interesting to see how like they're kind of like changing along with it and like obviously now like well we did have a handle on it i'm not even gonna get into that um (laughs) it's interesting to see how like now the tv shows that are like airing now are starting to become affected by even though obviously we're months and months from where we were but obviously because of production and having it the episode released it's been quite different yeah but that's pretty much it for me. What about you? Uh, yeah. So I have two things I want to touch on. The first one I just want to kind of, uh, I'm not going to talk too much about. I've been rewatching The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Which uh, I've caught a few episodes here and there. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, is that the one with the bunny outfit that yeah. you just had me watch the other night? Yeah. So weird. you, interesting fact <laughs> that you, you probably wouldn't know. I don't know how many people listening would, is that the original when the series originally aired they aired the episodes intentionally out of order as in like why the fuck would they do that i don't i don't i don't really remember the reason so if you're watching it for like the first time you're completely confused what the fuck's going on because they would jump between like the first episode is like is technically i think like episode like 11 or something like that in in season one and then they jump to like the first episode of season one and like the first couple it's a weird order um, so it's, it's really strange. So you're watching it on Netflix now, correct? No, no I, I bought the whole, the whole series. Okay. So when you are watching it on the DV, the DVD or whatever, now obviously you have it downloaded so they, in the Plex. Did they like re-put it in the They did. They, they put it in the original and like the, they, they put it in the order. In like the true order? Yeah. Yeah. But I, but in Plex, they have it the air, in the aired order as in like, so I, That's so I had to, when I was uploading it to Plex, I had to rename the files to match that. <laughs> so te- the second season, you, for the most part, follows like an actual order, like, the, like the, the standard order of the story. 
mo it's mostly the first season that's kind of out of order. Um, but, I don't know, I'm okay with it because I know what the heck's going on. I still think it's a good series. It's, it's definitely weird, but it's really... I think it's still enjoyable to watch. Um, I don't know how much you'd like it, but I will say that the movie that takes place uh, after the series is really good. Hmm. It's like considered one of the best anime movies. It's just really good, really well done, um, and you have an appreciation for it when you watch the series because it kind of it dives into uh, the main character who's not Haruhi. It's it's another it's uh, somebody who she's with. I mean, who's in high school with her, who. The whole setting, really, the premise of the movie is what would happen if his life was, like, not what he's doing now. Like, if she wasn't in his life. If she, mm. if he wasn't just, she was gone and he did not meet any of his friends, what would that be like? Because the whole premise of Haruhi Suzumiya is that she's essentially a god. I think I've I explained this to you. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't know she's a god. Like, she has the ability to, like, affect the world around her. And there's people around her that she's uh, essentially recruited mm -hmm. without her knowing that know that she's a god. And they're trying their best to kind of keep her occupied because they feel like if she gets too bored, she's going to just say, like fuck this world. Yeah, fuck this world and the whole world get destroyed. It's so interesting that you say that because like... I remember you talking about this series, but obviously not in the context of with the with you reminding me about the whole like God complex and whatnot. And just like me right now thinking about like the different scenes and stuff that I've seen, like I wouldn't picture that. Yeah. Cause it's very like, um, it's, 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 it's like, like a high school esque yeah. type of like, it is, it is funny. It's, I mean, some people don't like a day in the life of, or something yeah, like that. But there are episodes where it's just like shit goes to hell mm. and she doesn't know that she's causing it. Um, but everybody else does. Hmm. And so like the movie is essentially like, what if, the main character Kyo, what if he doesn't his his life? She's he not never, his life. Yeah. What if his life is normal? Like he he doesn't have to worry about this. And because you went through the first couple seasons, he he initially is like, oh okay, she's not. He's 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 taken aback by the fact that she's not there, and he's kind of upset. But at the same time, part of him is like, you know, things are normal. Like he's trying to so rationalize he in his head. Her? Yeah, he remembers. Nobody else does in the movie. He's the only one that remembers. Huh. Everyone else thinks he's crazy um, in the movie. And he he's slowly coming to the realization that he actually misses her and that whole crazy life because it, it it's an interesting movie. Hmm. Um, it's kind of tragic, but it's not tragic as in, like, it ends sadly. Um, it's just, it, it really goes into, like, his psyche and, like, how much this is really affecting him. The fact that nobody, like, even knows who she is like and everything like that and he's trying to piece everything back together it's pretty cool and there are some tie-ins back to the series where you're just like shit i didn't notice that and it like kind of has callbacks to things that they mentioned in the series but you don't know what happened then like mm -hmm. what caused it and this movie kind of explains those things so it's great it's a good um series i'm looking forward to finishing rewatching it but other than that most of my time has been spent playing ai the somnium files oh, your video which game. I am just about done. Like, before this started, this podcast, I am, like, just on the epilogue. Just, like, at the end, everybody's dialogue and stuff like that. It's really good. Um, I, I think I've mentioned to you before, I've played the the other games made by these, you know, this team, this director, yeah. those being 999, 
Virtue's Last Reward and Zero Time Dilemma, which are a trilogy called the Zero Escape Trilogy. Um, and they're all like escape room games where they are, there's, you're stuck in a room, it's, it's a bunch of shit that you need to figure out in order to get out of the room or you're going to die, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a lot of weird shit in those games. Uh, this game is also weird, but not quite as weird. Um, they all, all of the games in this, they're not, it, this isn't in the same series, but all the games here made by these creators have, follow a similar logic wherein there's like multiple timelines. There's multiple endings, uh, and you can jump around to different timelines to kind of piece together parts of the story that are missing. And there's parts of the timelines that might get locked out for you until you get information from another timeline to then go back. Um, and experience it and it's really cool because there's just an overall mystery of the main character who is Date who is a inspector at a Tokyo police station who is missing his uh, one of his eyes and he has no memory of his life from six years ago and the six years ago there were a series of murders murders by somebody called the Cyclops killer who was never caught and the killer would just steal someone's eye and murder them. Uh, they murdered four people before they disappeared. So, a lot of the story, you're just like, wait, is he, like, tied into that somehow? Because nobody will tell him, like, who he actually is hmm. or, like, you know, what happened to him. You also said that the people that they murdered were all females. Yeah, there were four females that were killed, and he was a male. And... The females all had their, I think, right eye taken, and he had his left eye taken. So that makes it another thing that was just like, okay, does he have something Hmm. to do with that? Um, So the setting of this game is like six years later. He's an inspector. He's what is called a sinker, where he has the, he basically is in a team, a special secret team that when they capture criminals, they go inside their memories mm-hmm. to find clues to prove that they are, you know, a criminal, that they committed crimes uh, because, you know, they sometimes can't get information out of them. So that's how most of the gameplay is. You will find criminals, you'll interrogate them, and then you'll go into their dreams and piece together clues to try and solve the mystery. And it's at those times that you're piecing these things together depending on which options you choose is where the, st- the timelines branch and you can go off into different situations. Um, so as I said, there's there's this whole mystery of who is Date, like what happened to him uh, because six years later, there are new, there's a new Psychops killer mm-hmm. who's murdering people and stealing their eyes. In this case, their left eyes. Um, and... As I said, I've gotten to the end now where I know what the what happened. Mm. So I'm going to spoil that now because you're never going to play this game. No. But people who are listening probably would want to play it. So go to the timestamp in the description if you don't want to hear. Okay. So, um, so what you find out is that Date, if you're wondering, was not the murderer. I didn't think per it was se. going to be. Per se. So when I say per se, throughout the game, they kind of reveal that um, there was not one Cyclops killer. There were two. Uh, and one of them would do the actual killings and the other would remove the uh, someone's eyes. And so he was the one that removed the eyes. No, hold on. I'm not done. So uh, the the actual killer 
um, is basically this politician's son who mur ba it, it, who killed his first person at 12 years old. Like, he killed the politician's mistress. Because he, he's just, like, psychotic, the kid. Like, he just ran up and just, like, stabbed her in the back. And then, like, they, like, buried her to hide, hide her corpse and shit. Like, it's really fucked up. Um, and so he is, this, that kid is essentially the Cyclops killer. And the mob boss who helped, like, bury the ki the woman, like, back then, is the one ripping out the eyes. That was what happened a few years mm -hmm. ago. So now you're like, okay, what is that? Why did I say not, not quite? So what they end up revealing is, I, I told you that the sync machine is how they go into people's memories. Yeah. And throughout the game, they have, like, a hard rule where they say you cannot sync for more than six minutes and they don't really tell you why like you're they're just like it's going to cause problems if you do that but what they don't tell you is that's not quite true what it does is if you sync after more than six minutes it swaps people's bodies so their minds end up swapping so hold on it gets it gets more crazy so what is revealed is that date is not actually his body is not his his body is the serial killer's body and he swapped with that person and there's basically a bunch of body swaps. Like, Date was actually a hitman, like, back in the day, who was, like, who wanted to get out of the business, and his boss was essentially the mafia boss, that same mob boss. Mm -hmm. uh, and that same mob boss told him that he could get out if he did one last job, and the one last job being murdering this woman and her daughter. The reason he wanted them murdered is because the daughter was the child of the politician's mistress. And the the thing is, is that that woman and his daughter was the reason he wanted to get out in the first place was for them because he was in love with them. So <laughs> it's a whole fucking thing. Uh, so he decides to like, he does like a plan to get out um, to, uh, you know, get around having to kill them. And the girl woman gets end up, ends up getting shot anyway, like the, the mom. She's not killed, she's injured, mm -hmm. but there's like this whole series of events that ends up causing Date's body to be switched with the serial killer. And the result of it is it, it's like kind of an incomplete transfer where they do transfer bodies, but they end up both having amnesia where they forget like who each other is, um, mm. which is what kind of leads up to the, into the game like six years later. There's I'm missing a lot of context here because this is a really complicated game. But it was getting crazy at the point at this point because there's like scenes in the game where you're like going into uh, the one of the girl the girls like the girl from the mom her memories and you're seeing scenes of like her remembering like all those murders back six oh, years yeah, ago I remember you and that. you're like why does she know this was she there what's revealed is no. You didn't actually go into that girl's memories. You went into the serial killer's memories because that serial killer is still alive and he's been jumping between people's bodies. And he, at the time when you synced into hers, that was the serial killer's memories that you were looking into. So the serial killer was in the little girl? Yeah, at that time. He's been sinking between different people's bodies because he's eventually he's trying to get back to his own body, your body, Date's body, because he wants to get revenge for you stealing his body in the first place. Because after six years, he pieced together his memories and remembered who he actually is. So when you sink into somebody else's body, or sink into somebody else's, I guess, memories or whatnot, do you choose to sink into? A yeah. So there's person? like a there's like a machine that you that they have built where like you 
you both sit into like chairs that are kind of like like this you, there's a mm -hmm. device that goes on your head and there's like signals that go into your eyes that then make you start but obviously both parties have to be willing to well i wouldn't say both have to be willing okay. one of them has to be willing the part person actually trying to do the sink has to be willing mm -hmm. generally speaking they usually put the other person to sleep because they're not very cooperative um so yeah like and as i said like the there is that six minute time limit where it's that's that's meant for just sinking. If you go beyond that, that's where like it can swap people's bodies. So does he does he get back to his? He own eventually body? gets back to his own body, um, and because like the the serial killer basically kidnaps him and swaps bodies back with him because he wants to murder the woman and his her daughter in front of him for revenge. And you kind of have this whole thing where you're trying to stop it from happening, which at the end it finally does, and you manage to you know kill him and save them, and then. Uh, basically everyone's just like, wow, you're back? We haven't seen you in like six fucking years. We thought you were like dead or something. Um, so that's the epilogue I'm at right now where like the girl who kind of thought of you like as his father is like, you know, you're back and like, you know, are you and mom going to get back together or whatever? You know, so. So, but the time that this, I guess the serial killer was in his body. Where was, was he? Was he like he was in jail. low or something? He was in jail. Oh. They put him in jail for like, because he was an assassin. Um, and they like basically were they captured him um, and they just put him in jail and he's been sitting in jail for six years um, so it was crazy it was a really fu crazy game but I enjoyed it I know you're looking at me like the fuck is going on here it's really confusing if you don't play the game it's it's not too long it's like 22 hours which for a video game that I'm used to it's usually gonna be around like 30 to 40 at least if not longer mm. Um, so that's AI Somnium Files. If you're just joining us back. Uh, so bullet points, play this game. If you played the other three, you're going to really like it. Uh, in terms of where I rank it so far, uh, well, my favorite one out of the, the trilogy was Virtue's Last Reward. Uh, so I would say this is probably, it's probably around the same place as Virtue's Last Reward. Um, it's, it's really good. I'd really, I highly recommend it. And that's all I have to talk about right now. So let's go right into the main event. Okay, so it's my turn to go first. <laughs> uh, so what did you give me? I gave you Stranger Things. And I'm really interested to see what you have to say about this. Yeah. A lot of you might be surprised that I haven't seen this. Yeah. One of the reasons I haven't is because when this first aired, pretty much everybody was who was trying to sell it to me was using like, hey, this is like a really cool like 80s-esque style like thing. And I was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> and they'd be like, no, but you know, what you don't understand is... It's got such a great 80s aesthetic. And I was like, what part of I don't give a fuck about the 80s don't you get? <laughs> the problem is, is that nobody was able to sell me on this in the way that I would have been interested. Yeah. I don't give a shit that it's in the 80s, okay? And to be honest, I don't really like the 80s. So anybody trying to sell me on something that's set in the 80s, don't start with it's, it's set in the 80s and try and lean into the 80s thing. That because is really any type of video or movie or anything like that. Because like even if you say it has like a 90s-esque vibe, yeah, you're I, just like, I'm gonna it's get overplayed. I'm going to get like annoyed. As soon as they do more than one thing, you're like, it's dumb. Yeah. I'm like... Because oh. in, my, 
in my opinion, this isn't this isn't an overplayed eighties series. No, it's it's not. just set in the eighties. But what I what I would use as an example of something that's overplayed is like Captain Marvel. There were way too no, many. There was not. There was way too no, many '90s references there. There was like three. There was like four. I enjoyed some of the references in that movie, but when it got to the Fresh Prince thing, I rolled my fucking eyes. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't okay, in the well, '90s." I digress. So. Okay, moving on. So Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Um, so I, I don't know who doesn't know about this series. It's on Netflix. First season aired in 2016. Uh, as I said, it's so the first season is set in, uh, I think, October of 1983. Um, and it's set in a town in shit. I had it. Uh, I think it's Indiana. I don't fucking remember. I feel like it's Indiana. It's Indiana. Yeah. Hawking's Indiana. Oh, yeah. Um, and it kind of it's kind of involves the this main one of the it involves this character who ends up disappearing one in within a group of friends and the whole season basically is exploring what happened to him and all the weird shit going on as a result of that so that's the quick bullet notes of what the season is there's a lot more into there i also think a lot of our listeners probably have either a heard about it to some extent or b have at least watched a few episodes to know yeah i'm not gonna go into as much detail in the story just because if you have i don't want to bore you but i am gonna go into like what i my thoughts on it because mm-hmm. i'm gonna kind of go- dig into it a little bit and then explore like what i thought about it mm-hmm. uh so you know the this the first thing i noticed you know the series opens up there's this uh like scientist essentially running from a lab because he's being chased and he goes in like the elevator to try and escape and then this creature kills him so cool start um and then it kind of goes uh shoots to these kids playing dungeons and dragons these four kids uh who are four of the main characters so there's will uh dustin uh mike and lucas wait you're like looking okay um and yeah they're all playing the game uh, they Mike, uh, sorry, Will ends up uh, is about to leave because he's called to leave, go home or whatever. So he leaves, but on the way home, he, I think he's taken some weird route or whatever, but he kind of goes off road and he just f- sees something and he freaks the fuck out and like runs. And I don't th- remember if he gets home right away or if he, I think he just goes right to the shed. No, he go, he goes home, and he still feels like something's following him. So he like run because he like sees like lights and shit flickering. So he ends up running to the shed, and he feels he like feels something following him. So he like gets like a gun, shit, and bullets together, and then the thing ends up coming out and ca- captures him. And that's the beginning of the, of the season. Uh, Will's gone, and nobody knows what happened to him. Uh, his mom kind of gets up the next day, tries to thinks he's in bed or thinks he left and he's not there so she freaks out um you learn that she has like anxiety issues which is kind of obvious um to put it lightly (laughs) yeah his mom joyce who's played by winona Ryder, um and then he's got a brother jonathan who is also very awkward um he they're all very awkward yeah they play dungeons and dragons 
the, no, come on. That doesn't make you just weird. Okay, Nine whatever. Out of 10, what, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, everyone's trying to figure out what happened to him. Uh, his mom freaks is like in a panic, so she goes to the police office to talk to the chief. Uh, Hopper, I forget who he's played by. I know his name. I just don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, who is a big asshole initially? Like he just doesn't um, give a shit. He's just there to collect a paycheck. He's like, yeah, this is like the safest town ever. There's not going to be any fucking <laughs> problems. And he like shrugs her off. Uh, but he end, ends up just taking down the information uh, to you know, pursue it going forward. Um, and yeah, like nobody really kind of takes it seriously initially that he's gone. Uh, and you're, you're later, you later see like the girl, Eleven, um, who appears to have escaped from some kind of facility, which they didn't reveal right away what it is. And she goes to like this truck stop or something like that, um, where oh, I forget the names. I think his name's Benny. Like the the dude from the truck stop, like Caesar eating food in the um in the where he goes to make mm-hmm. it and kind of is like, what the hell? And he stops her and then he start he ends up giving her food. He kind of figures out that she's something's going on with her maybe she was like abused or something like that because like she's wearing a like a, a gown a nightgown. A nightgown she's got like a tattooed number 11 on her <laughs> her head shaved he's freaking wondering what the hell's going on so he ends up calling social what he thinks is social services um and instead it's really just the lab, the lab where she escaped from who murders him and then tries to get her um because she has special abilities specifically she's telepathic um yeah uh and it's kind of goes a little bit more into hopper trying to find the kid um and you learn that he had a daughter who you initially just find out yeah he had a daughter and she's gone um we don't know why she's just dead i don't know anything about um i don't know what happened to his wife I think at one point in the show he calls her or something. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, they're they're going off on. He ends up getting a man, a crew of people, like basically a, a manhunt to try and find him. Um, to find Will. Yeah, to find Will. And meanwhile, the kids, the rest of the gang, are also trying to find him. And Hopper basically tells him, "You can't go to where Will disappeared. I'm not allowing that. Go home." Uh, but they disobey him, and they go out in the night when it's raining to try and find him, and that's where they meet Eleven. And that was pretty much the first episode. Uh, you, as the kid, uh, they encounter Eleven. Uh, Mike is like kind of instantly interested in her. Uh, he takes her back to his place. They, he takes her down in the basement and gives her like a place to stay and everything like that. He trying to kind of hides her from his parents. He doesn't want them to know that he, you know, he found her. He feels like there's some kind of link between her and why where Mike disappear or Will disappears. Um, so, yeah, he kind of like takes her home, takes care of her, uh, and you start learning a little bit about like uh, Will's brother, right? Because he's he's not. I mean, I think he's going to school, but it doesn't seem like it. He seems to be like skipping it a lot. Uh, he enjoys taking pictures. Uh, and he's just kind of awkward. Um, and 
Okay. I mean, I, I he's he's pretty cool so far. I mean, I don't know too much about him from the first season, but I guess he gets cooler going forward. Anyway, meanwhile, Mike's sister, Nancy, uh, is really into this jock kid called Steve, who is a huge douche. Um, like, it's pretty obvious he's just, like, a player, mm-hmm. and uh, she's just, like, smitten with him, and her friend Barb is, like, you know... Like, you sure you want to be with this guy? He's kind of a dick. Uh, and uh, what did I say? So Steve ends up inviting you know her to a party at his place because he basically just wants to get with her. <laughs> um, and you know she brings Barb too because she just feels weird going by herself. Um, and you kind of start seeing like Hopper trying t- to. You know, you start seeing kind of more about Hopper and his like personality. He seems really depressed. Uh, there's like a sh- scene of like him with like a woman that he slept with, and he just kind of like leaves her. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, the the big thing that happened in this episode really was the the reveal at the end, where Nancy and Barb go to the party with Steve. Mm-hmm. I mean, to Steve's party. And they get drunk, and by they, I mean everybody but Barb. And they decide to, like, go back in the house to do some hanky-panky stuff. Mm-hmm. And Barb's not into that shit, so she just sits at the pool. She's about to, to leave. Now, Jonathan is there randomly, too, just hiding in bushes, taking pictures of them from his camera. And he takes pictures of Barb, too. And when he's not looking, uh, Barb ends up getting taken by one of the creatures because she ends up having a cut on herself that draws the creature the blood uh so the big thing that happens at the end of the the episode really is that barb has been taken away too uh and you also start seeing a little bit more about 11 and her being experimented on when she was still at the lab like that she's claustrophobic because they put her in this they put her in this like room that just has a bunch of padded walls with no lights and just close it on her you know, to discipline her when she doesn't listen to them when, to tell her to use her powers. So, yeah, that's pretty fucking sad. Um, yeah. And see, the, the next episode really just opens with confirming that Barb is getting killed because it shows her in the other world, which they later call the Upside Down. Um, and it's really just... Uh, at Nancy ended up screwing Steve. <laughs> she... Uh, she she tries to contact Barb or she goes to school and Barb isn't there so she freaks out and she's trying to figure out what's going on where's Barb uh, meanwhile e- Eleven uh, is you know the, the kids figure out that Eleven has powers and that she knows something about Mike and how he left I mean about, sorry Will and where he is uh, and specifically that she they can't like call anybody to get her to get picked up because they were trying to get rid of her and she's like don't call anybody or the bad people are going to come and kill you and me Papa's gonna come. yeah papa as she says um so yeah i'm gonna kind of quickly go through this there's a, there's like eight episodes so um as it goes through the season you start learning more about uh just the what's going on with all the everything with the lab so i'm gonna first let me, let me touch on the lab so, the lab has been doing experiments on gifted individuals. 
like 11. They haven't revealed anybody else. I know there's other ones because I've just seen that there are. I know that there's like some other people just because it's just, it's it's like Game of Thrones. You can't not miss it. Like, I don't know the context, but I know that there is, there are other gifted kids. Um, and from what it they've stated, they've been essentially kidnapping kids, whether they're babies or whatever, from parents. They like drug them to shit up the moms. They like take the babies and then they just like the moms ending up, end up getting so drugged up or like fucked up that they just go crazy, you know? And then they experiment on the kids to have them gain these. Now they haven't given details of if these kids or if they're born with it or if they get it from like experiments. I don't know. I don't know if they go into that in like other seasons, but I, I I'm gonna guess that the kid is just kids are just born with it. I don't know how they know that these parents are gonna have these kids with these abilities, but whatever. Um, anyway, they are primarily doing this at least initially for like espionage reasons like they're doing it to uh because it's set in like the mid early 80s uh for like russian spying like spying yes. on russians shit like that uh because the people with these abilities can once they're like in they're telepathically communicating like listen to the thoughts and the conversations of these other people that they're trying to spy on, which they can then relay on like radio-like devices so everyone else can hear it. Um, and that's one of like Eleven's abilities is that she can, when she has like a radio or something near her, she can communicate with somebody and uh, have that relayed through the radio. What they later find is that not only she can she obtain conversations from people in this world, she can also do it from the other world the upside down basically and they are starting to experiment on her for that reason because they want her to make some kind of contact with them with these creatures mm -hmm. which inadvertently opens a portal to that other world in the lab which is where the first episode sort of starts and she realizes this so she like runs away uh to escape from doing that shit uh and also, she has abilities to crush people's skulls. That's another thing. Um, <laughs> she's pretty badass. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Uh, so then you have the um, what's going on in the town, right? Because nobody really seems to know that the about this lab or what the hell's going on with it in the town. You know, there's there's like newspaper clippings and shit like that of of the uh, of the professor. I forget his fucking name. I don't. Do they even give him a name? So. Anyway, of him like getting sued for kidnapping people or something, but he was never charged or anything. Uh, but nobody really knows what they do. They just say like it's some kind of government facility, and nobody seems to know that there's just people missing from now, from here and then. I don't understand how it's Indiana. Like there can't be that many fucking people. I mean, they everybody knows everybody there. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they make a point of saying that. Uh, but yeah, like there's there's people missing because of that. Not initially because of the creatures, just because of them kidnapping kids yeah. to experiment on them. Now people are missing because of the creatures uh, or creature in this. There's not multiple, at least not in this season. Probably are in others. Um, yeah, so uh, Joyce, as I said, the mom of Mike, I mean of Will, whose son is missing, feels that Will is still around and that she wants to, and she can make contact with them. I forget what she initially gets it from, 
but she eventually starts buying she lights. Yeah, she sees like lights flicker and like phones ring and shit like that. And so she decides to buy a bunch of lights to this is my favorite scene. hopefully communicate with him, to use the lights as a communication method. Uh, and it does work because she ends up finding it, like he uses it as like a way to send her like a path to find things. He sends her like it as like binary code at one point, I think. Um, and then she ends Initially, up... Initially, and then yeah. she does the alphabet. And then she makes an alphabet and she strings the lights to point to each letter so he can spell a message to it for her, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, but it's clear that Will is like kind of just running or running like around that area, like the upside down, trying to avoid this creature that's after him. I don't know how he survived for so long because Barb basically dies within the first fucking like minute that she gets there. And this little kid manages to freaking just escape for seven episodes you know like okay um he's just that good i guess uh anyway that aside uh i think one of the coolest scenes was when she strings up those lights to spell out the alphabet he basically spells out like run and then the friggin' creature pops out of the wall and just chases her and she freaks the fuck out and runs away uh meanwhile hopper is still trying to find will uh, and he's starting to kind of piece together that something's going wrong, going the on lab. with the town, with the lab, and that there's some kind of connection between Will's disappearance and that lab. Uh, he d- digs up the articles on like the missing kids. Uh, he finds a piece of a gown, which was Eleven's gown, near the gutter where she escaped. He kind of ties everything back to the lab and figures something. There's some kind of connection there. Uh, and it's really not until episode, I think, seven or eight that he, I think it's seven, where they, they kind of piece together that it wasn't actually Will's gown, it was Eleven's, and Eleven is one of the girls who disappeared. And they even end up talking to, like, well, not even really talking, they end up meeting her mom, mm-hmm. who is, like, catatonic. She's basically can't even talk or anything. And they figure out that, you know, what the lab's been doing, they've been experimenting on kids. And hopper goes to the lab he he basically breaks in and finds the portal and goes into the portal and like well he tries to go into the portal and they stop him but basically he he starts believing all the shit that joyce says because he initially didn't believe that there's a creature he thought he was or she she was crazy he was crazy she he thought she was crazy thank you (laughs) Um, because he thought it was like all grief because i mean because um you know he's like I lost my daughter too, you know, or I lost my child also. I understand grief and everything that you start thinking things. But it's clear when he sees that, he's like, she's not fucking lying. There's something going on. Uh, And uh, Nancy also feels like there's something going on because she can't find Barb and she tries to go back to where, to Steve's place and sees the creature and freaks the fuck out. And I think one of the turning points there was that was when she talks to jonathan because jonathan doesn't believe his mom either as in he she tells him even when she says she saw like a creature coming after her he doesn't believe her she says it was like something that didn't have a face and then when he talks to nancy she goes he goes like what did you see and she goes something without a face and he's like oh shit um (laughs) so they're not crazy so they try and capture this creature they're trying to you know find barb and she inadvertently enters a portal to the upside down nancy 
and sees the fucking creatures. I mean, creature, and escapes, luckily. Um, I kind of fucking knew it because I knew she was alive in season two. Um, but, yeah, she escapes and, uh, you know, they... Kind of like everybody's starting to believe what's going on now. Uh, I'm trying to think what else to add before I get to, like, the, the main meat of the of the ending it's yeah i mean there's pretty much every character has this kind of moment where they don't believe what's going on uh the kids don't really believe that 11 has abilities and then she they kind of reveal that but then they think she's jerking them around in terms of like that she knows where will is because like she they there was a moment where they see like will's dead body in the in the lake and so they think like that she's been lying this entire time when it's revealed shit I don't know how much I want to reveal this um I'm trying to think when I want to stop uh, you know what fuck it if you're gonna it, it's it, 2016 <laughs> I, I'll get to the ending and I'll, and I'll put a, a pause there okay but it's it, I'll put a timestamp, stamp alright and then we'll go to the end and I'll read my thoughts but there's a lot to talk about without spoiling everything every fucking episode has like a spoiler so yeah. I don't know what to fucking say like Okay, anyway. Will is not dead. Even though there was a body, it was actually a fake body that they, that the government had prepared to throw people off the chase of, you know, what the hell's going on. And it's revealed that he's fake because Hopper breaks into the morgue and cuts him open because he feels that his body doesn't feel right mm-hmm. and finds his body stuffed. And so that's one of the things that leads them to believe something's going on with the lab and that they're lying. Um, so yeah, uh, it w- when it kind of gets to the end, what they're trying to do essentially is one <laughs> find the uh, find Mike. I mean Will. Uh, I don't know why I keep flip. They they look really similar, Mike and Will. They do. Um, yeah, they're trying to find Will, and two, they're trying to find the creature. So, they devise a plan with Eleven to enter this pool, to which she does to help communicate a little bit better, to find Will. Uh, and they do this, except it ends up summoning the creature to come at them. Meanwhile, the lab is like... The lab knows where Eleven is now, and they're trying to find her and get her. And they're trying to do whatever they can to, to do that. So, um, they end up... They end up uh, going to, like, this... Everyone's basically at the school now, because it's, like, empty. Which, I think I skipped the part that I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, I did. I skipped the part. No, wait, no, that's at the end. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right, so... They end up go, they end up going to the school to get a bunch of materials so they can build this like device where uh, that can mock up what Eleven can use to then talk find Will because whatever they're using isn't good enough to track them down. But the the issue with that is that like when she uses this device and gets that close, she has there's a chance of the creature finding her. So she goes in and she manages to get to to find out where he is, but she gets pretty like fucked up like her like she's bleeding a lot and everything like that um they managed to get her out just in time uh but that also summons the creature to come after them 
I forget what the fuck they call it. It's some kind of name. Do you remember? I'll look it up while you talk. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's on like the tip of my tongue. Uh, the lab uh, is going. Is trying to get to eleven. They end up kind. Of, they end up going to. Uh, they end up. Uh, what was this? They were. They end up locking down where the kids are. Mm-hmm. They are about to grab her, and she ends up fucking killing most of the lab people. And then the creature comes after them. A demogorgon. Yeah, demogorgon. Cool. It's <laughs> a dumb name. Um. Yeah, and what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Let me go back to the notes real quick. You're just like that's a dumb name. It, it kind of is. Um, they have to be original. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the creature is coming after the kids. It's about to take them down, and uh, and Eleven ends up stopping it, but she it seems like she's going to sacrifice herself to kill the creature. I know she's not dead, because I've seen scenes of the other season where she's still <laughs> fucking alive, but it is still pretty, you know, pretty in- interesting. Uh, they do manage to get Will back. I'm trying to remember how they did it. Um, oh, I think uh, Hopper found Yeah, him. Hopper and... Okay, I remember. Hopper and and Joyce strike a deal with the lab to go in, into the portal mm-hmm. to find Will. The trade-off is that, um, like, they can... I think they said they can just take Eleven back. Oh, yeah, that they would give Eleven back. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up, but yeah, okay. Um, so they go into the portal and they manage to find Will, but he's in such a position where it looks like he's going to die. So they give him like CPR and it, at that point, this is probably one of my favorite scenes because they're flashing back and forth between this happening and Hopper's kid dying. Cause it shows like his kid, I'm assuming has cancer. Um, and the kid they're, they're showing the kid, uh, on, on her deathbed like just dying and like the pulse is like going down mm-hmm. while they're trying to give CPR to, to um, Will and have his like pulse come back up and it's just cutting back and forth at, at those scenes and then Will like wakes up so it's pretty fucking sad but I was like that was a good that was some good cuts right there that's some good direction uh, and so yeah so they manage to revive Will they bring him back um, and he gets hospitalized Eleven's gone for now um <laughs> I know she's gonna be back, and kind of everybody's shit starts wrapping up. Uh, Hopper is, you know, back doing his own thing, working as a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joyce is, you know, sitting at the table with Mike and Will. Who Will goes off to the bathroom and then throws up like a fucking tentacle or something. So clearly that's gonna go into season two. Um, and then, you know, they're all. You know, other than that, uh, it looks like Nancy's back with Steve, even though she gives Jonathan a camera. I don't, I didn't get that. I was like, why the fuck did you go back with Steve? Steve was an asshole. I mean, even though he helped you guys out at the end, still a fucking asshole. Um, I glazed over that part, but basically, he changes a lot in season two. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of, he's. I don't really like Steve that much. Um, <laughs> I didn't like him in, as much in season one, but season two, definitely, he made a really good comeback, so. Okay. Um, all right. So, I know I've talked a lot about that, the story. I know that I blazed over some things, but it is kind of, 
long, and I feel like a lot of people have already yeah. seen this, so I didn't want to spend too much time on it. So, that being said, let me go to my my ratings. Okay. So the story gave the story a four. Okay. Thought the story was really good. Um, there wasn't too many things that I didn't like about it. Uh, I. There was just small things here or there that kind of like uh, that that I didn't like, but nothing major. It wasn't like it wasn't a horrible. I mean, it was it was a good story. I enjoyed it. I I, I think there were other aspects that I liked more than the story, but I still liked the story. Fair and enough. those other aspects being like the characters. So the characters, I gave a five. Uh, I even the characters I didn't like, I still liked the acting there because mm-hmm. they kind of. They did a good job of not making most of the characters just one note. Like even though Steve is a, is an asshole, he still has points in the in the show where he kind of knows that and tries to make an effort. Like at the end of the season, mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Um, Hopper, who I initially did not like from the first episode, became like probably one of my favorite characters because he's just. He's really cool, you know. He's he's definitely troubled because of what happened to his daughter. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why he was an asshole in the beginning, because you don't know his story, like right. his backstory. Like he doesn't open he doesn't open up to very many people. He doesn't really like let them in and get to know him and whatnot. But his backstory kind of drives his personality. Yeah, I feel like he takes one of the he alongside like the 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 boys probably mm-hmm. take one of the more active roles. In the series, you see a lot of him in this show, um, and as it went on, I liked him a lot more and more because he initially starts off as just like a dude who doesn't give a shit, and he, you, his two officers that are with him are just like that too. But as it goes on, the season, they're still like that, and he gets angry at them mm-hmm. because they're not taking things seriously. Yeah, which is funny because he didn't take things serious. Takes things, took things. Fuck, he did not take <laughs> things seriously. From the beginning, uh, and it shows that he had some growth during that season, and I thought that was good. I liked pretty much most of the other characters, too. Eleven, I thought, was really cool. I liked the acting there that she had. I, I have to look up the actress's name, but I thought it was really good because it shows showed her as just obviously someone who's not used to people, mm-hmm. right? Because she's been in like a lab away from everybody throughout her, throughout her entire life. Uh, so she's uh, awkward, obviously. Uh, but she is still really nice and uh, also a badass because she killed a fuck ton of people. She can crush somebody's skull. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike uh, was was pretty cool too. Um, I liked his interactions with Eleven uh, as well as the – I mean, the whole group was pretty good. I thought the – It was a good dynamic between yeah, all of them. They did feel like actual like friends who've been together for years, mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Um. So the the casting there was really well done. Uh, Joyce, good, good, anxious, scared mom <laughs> role. No, yeah, she's she's definitely sold that role of someone who's just like really nervous all the time. Um, her ex husband is this total asshole. Um, <laughs> and I liked when she kicked him the fuck out, which I thought was funny. Uh, Jonathan is. Fine. I mean, I thought he was kind of creepy most of the season, to be honest. Um, but he—he he still, I mean, he just seemed like that creepy, like dude, 
uh, like awkward kid mm-hmm. who, no offense to you if you were awkward in high school, I was too. Yeah, but you were. he's just, he's just a little weird. And like, the, I think the scenes of him taking pictures that's, that's was kind of what makes. Really creepy. I think that's kind of where I was like, <clears throat> okay, that's not cool, dude. Like, that's a little weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much all the characters were good. That's why I gave it a five. Uh, the direction cinematography, I also gave a five. Um, there were a lot of good scenes in this. A lot of points where I was like, the the panning is really good. The cuts are, are great. It's using good lighting at this time. I thought like some of the techniques they did with the, the flashing lights and shit was cool. Um, the, the creatures popping out of the walls and stuff. Uh, and as I mentioned, the towards the end of the eight, of the eighth episode, the scene of going back and forth between Will and uh, Hopper's daughter, mm-hmm. I thought was like really impactful. I was like, this is a great scene, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I made a note of that specific scene. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, I gave it a five. It was really well done. The music as well, I gave a five. Uh, as I said, I don't really give a shit about AIDS aesthetic that much. I do like that they didn't really use a lot of actual like 80s music music, it was mostly like uh the tone right so it was like synth music you Mm -hmm. know which is i like synth music so i'm gonna say i don't like i don't hate everything about the 80s there's things i like about the 80s i just don't like when they shove it down your fucking throat because it's just like it's almost like they're like don't you remember how great the 80s was and i was like number one no i don't because i wasn't alive then (laughs) i was born in 1990 so i don't remember the 80s Number two, as far as I know, the 80s fucking sucked because you had, like, just, like, a huge AIDS outbreak, which people were trying to blame solely on, you know, you know, gay and lesbian people, and that wasn't the the fucking problem, you know? It's just, like, I was like, I don't know why you fucking romanticized the 80s. It really wasn't that great, okay? So, but regardless, it had good music, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I, I would totally download some of that music and listen to it just by itself because it's it's a good soundtrack and um i like i like that that type of synth music uh and even the sound effects were really good there were a couple more moments where in the season where i got fucking freaked out for a second because i like (laughs) saw something i was like shit um yeah it was good good music and sound design overall enjoyment uh really good season i I know now why a lot of people say that this first, that this now I don't know about the other seasons, but I know now why people at least like this season a lot because it is really good. And again, if you want to sell me on something, never fucking come up to me and tell me this is a great 80s <laughs> or 90s or whatever the fuck thing and as the sole reason for why this is good, unless there's like something about it that like is, you know, like there's movies that I've seen like uh like mid '90s, that's a movie uh, that is about, but it, it's called that, and it's set in the '90s. But it's about like what it was like then for like someone growing up in the '90s. You know, a little bit different than, hey, you know, this is a great '80s thing. You know, it has so many good '80s references. I don't fucking care. Um, so overall enjoyment, I gave a five. Not gonna tell you what that adds up to, but. This is probably the highest rated thing you've given me. Because um, it's that good. I am probably interested in seeing the second season now. I'll rewatch it with you. I 
so I've heard, and I don't first know how true this better. is, is that the first season is the best, second season is not quite as good, but still good, and the third season is okay. And they're apparently doing a fourth season too. They are. Um, and I've heard for the second season there is a, a one specific episode that is essentially a plug for a se- series that season I don't three. know if they have. Apparently, it was supposed to be a spinoff series they're trying to do. Yeah, uh, I know. It's a, I know exactly which um, episode you're talking about, and they. Yeah, and I don't really like I- that. If when people yeah. when people do that because it's like it seemed very out of place in right. the whole entire season. It was just like what the fuck. I'm who I'm are okay these people? with there being like one off episodes, but if you're doing it in the with the intent of trying to sell a different series, that kind of I don't like that. Um, I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's Stranger Things season one. Okay. So your your series <laughs> I gave you. You gave me Anahana. Yep. Is that how Anahana? Okay. It actually has a longer title that I don't. I. It has a Japanese title that's fucking long as shit. It's not important. But it's not. It doesn't matter. It's, it's Anahana. <laughs> so Anahana was directed by Tet, Tetsuki Nagai mm-hmm. and was written by. How do you say his name? Mari Okada. Her. Mari oh, Okada. Sorry. sorry, her. Yeah. Mari Okada. Um, this apparently has been in a whole bunch of different kind of like, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't know the right word to say it, but it's basically been a manga. It's been a game. It's been a TV show. It's been a movie. So it's basically been around the block for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, the specific manga, or sorry, the specific anime that I watched was from 2011, was when it originally aired. So the premise of this anime falls around a group of friends who are, and I'm going to refer to these characters as basically how they refer to themselves in the in the season, but there's a couple of different names for each of the characters that they kind of get thrown around. So I just picked the ones that were easiest to spell and easiest for me to pronounce. So for the group of friends you have gene Tan, who is the main character in kind of the whole entire series you have anjo who is a friend of the group you have sudoku you have yuki and then you have menma um now menma is essentially a ghost who is basically appears herself to only gene Tan. now the whole entire series revolves around this one entire incident in their childhood. So to put it in perspective, these, the, these five, these five people were friends probably, um, I think it was like five or six years ago prior to when it's the series is actually taking place sometime in grade school. Yeah. So they were in grade school. They were all friends. They, um, they called themselves the super some super busters or something like that some whatever. i forget it's, it's not really yeah. important <laughs> um so they basically formed this group and they gave themselves a nickname and gene ton was kind of the leader of this group everyone followed him and what had happened was anjo had asked gene ton if he liked menma and he being the grade school person that he is and being a boy was just like no she's so ugly um and kind of like 
got embarrassed and stormed off. So Menma kind of ran after him and in the process of her running after him, she ends up falling down to the river or wherever it was and she ends up drowning and dying. Um, so this whole entire series revolves around that one entire moment of how she basically dies and how the, the other four of them, it starts out in the series where their friendship is really like no longer. It's kind of like in shambles after the whole entire situation. And it's exploring kind of how they all feel guilty in some way or form for how Menma had died. And they all feel like it's their fault. So I have to say, I think this is one of my favorite ones that you've given me. Oh, I thought it was going to be something you'd like. <laughs> um, so we might be very, very close. Okay. So story, I'm just going to kind of go through everything. I'm going to go through it through the episodes because it's probably the easiest way to do that. So for this season, this series, it's 11 episodes. It's super short. I binge watched it probably in about two days. So if, if you want something that is kind of lighthearted in a sense, and it gives you all the feels like I definitely recommend it. This series destroyed me at the end like Were i was you crying at the, at the I, last I was part sobbing <laughs> i was like praying to god i was like okay please don't come downstairs because you know i'm i knew you're gonna give me <laughs> shit for crying i was like oh my god but you guys will know why i was sobbing at the end um so this series it started out with gene tan just playing video games he, he was making ramen his dad comes in automatically you kind of are you kind of realize that menma is not seen at least by his dad and that Jean Tan can in fact see him. And this is kind of where you start flashing back and forth between their childhood for their childhood. And when Menma came back, she makes a reference to the fact that she has a wish that she once granted. And so Jean Tan realized, or he figures that he's imagining her from all the stress and trauma that he's basically gone through for the past five years from her passing away and that other people can't see her so it sets up the storyline to make it seem like i said how the friends are no longer talking and they're no longer friendly but you definitely get a sense that menma one of her overarching goals i feel like from the very first episode it was very aware that she wanted the group of them to come back together and it was the super peace busters i just remembered (laughs) (laughs) um so right away you it kind of pans to a scene where gene tan is kind of just walking along menma is following along with him obviously because she's still trying to figure out the wish that she once granted because she doesn't she makes it seem like she doesn't know what she wants um he runs into an old friend, which we find out is Yuki, Yuki and Sudoko, where Yuki was kind of basically a dick to him and just saying all these kinds of things that were not really important at the time. But he kind of like runs away because he's judging them for the fact that he's not going to school and he's judging him when he brings up Menma because we find out later that Yuki is harboring some like really deep trauma. Um, it flashes back to their childhood again, and it just kind of explores a little bit more how, a little bit how she did die and 
the last scene in that episode is of Menma visiting her home and she's of her seeing her family. And after Menma died, you realize that the group kind of just fell apart. Um, so it's just like, oh, I hope these people get back together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, kind of just thinking about the episode or the season in general, I was like, they're definitely going to get back together, but I'm like interested to see how it's actually going to happen. So they come back or Jean Tan comes back into contact with an old friend called Popo and he tells him of the fact that he's now seeing Medma. Now Popo is really the only one that initially believes him by the fact that he is seeing Menma. Everybody else in the group is just kind of like, you're fucking crazy. Like, stop bringing up her name because you're just inflicting trauma, inflicting pain on us. Like, stop bringing it up. Um, and then there's also an instance where Anjo and Sudoko meet up accidentally and she keeps saying that she's trying too hard to be like Menma, which Anjo is trying too hard to be like Menma for reasons that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and Sudoko is just kind of like bringing that to light and she's saying that no matter where Anjo goes and no matter who she's with, um, she takes a part, she takes liking to them and she changes her personality. So the groups of girls that she's hanging around with are not the best groups of girls. They're kind of like sluts. Um, so (laughs) she kind of just like changes her persona to kind of match those that she's hanging around with. Right. Um, you also find out that the reason Anjo, um, the reason that Anjo thinks it's her fault that Memma died was because of the fact that she was the one that asked Jean Tan um, about his feelings in regards to Menma. And that was kind of like the first instance where you see one of them kind of confess that they have like harboring feelings for Menma. Um, and then it kind of just snowballs from there. Um, Yuki runs into Popo and shares that Jitan is seeing Menma. There's just like a whole bunch of jealousy between the whole entire group that you can definitely tell that there's just so many bad feelings within the group that they clearly all need to be healed and go to therapy because (laughs) it was just like, it was a lot. Um, so at, it's at this point where, um, you find out that Anjo is jealous of Menma because she liked Jintan. So Anjo is, she has this like serious crush. Like she's desperately in love with Jintan. And that's one of the reasons why she was trying so hard to be like Menma and why she asked him the question. So this is the first episode where they try to find out Menma's wish. And this is like really reaching, but, um, they, <laughs> they think Menma's wish is to play Pokemon Gold. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, actually, no, Nokimon Gold. Sorry. Um, gotta, gotta catch them all. Yeah, exactly. Them all Nokimons. I can't. So they go over to Anjo's house because they realize that Anjo is literally the only one in town that would probably still have this Pokemon Gold game. Um, and you kind of start to see the feelings that Anjo is still harboring for Jintan all those years later and then they finally catch the rare pokemon that they were trying to catch and they thought that because they catch the, they caught the pokemon that menma would disappear but she didn't go figure because you know <clears throat> my lifelong goal is to catch a rare pokemon i cannot so episode three jean is going back to school to kind of repay anjo and that 
he kind of takes it as a sense where, oh, well, maybe this is Menma's wish, that if I go back to school, that she'll disappear. Um, and so he runs into Anjo and her friends on the way to school, and they basically start to mock him, and he decides to leave. Um, and then we also start seeing um, instances of potentially that other people in the group are also seeing Menma. So Popo thinks that he did see Menma when he was staying in the woods because he's staying at their like secret loft. And then there's also flashbacks to when his mom was sick and he asked for like steamed bread and Menma decides to break it herself. Um, this is just like a feel good episode. It's kind of like the first episode where all of them kind of like come back together. So Popo kind of like decides to get all the friends back together for a barbecue. Um, and they kind of make a pact to say that they want to try to figure out what the wish that is that Menma wants. And this is also where Yuki claims that he can now see Menma. And you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, clearly Jean-Ton is really the only one that can see him or to see her. And in my mind, I was like, yo, Yuki is being the biggest fucking dick right now because clearly he's lying out his teeth. I was like, at that instance, I was like, yo, this guy, I cannot with him. But I digress because you see kind of the reason for it. Um, episode four, we see all the friends head to the river to see if they can find Menma. They don't find anybody. Yuki keeps keeps claiming that he can see Memma and that she wants them to let her rest in peace. Clearly, we know that that's not what Menma wants because Jean-Tan is telling the group that she's happy that they're all back together. Um, Sudoko also kind of alludes to seeing Menma as well, and she goes to see Jean-Tan to try to confront Yuki about his, about his Menma being a fake. So they kind of try to set Yuki up um, to see if he really is telling the truth because nobody in the group essentially believes him. And I literally wrote in my notes, Yuki is a dick. Like at that point, I was just like, wow. Um, so they do something, I forget what it was exactly, but they basically convince Yuki to kind of try to prove that he saw Menma and it pans to another shot of all of them in the, the secret hideaway and they say popo said that he saw her again in the woods so they all start like running through the woods trying to catch her um and then you find out that it's not menma it was yuki cross-dressing and impersonating menma in the woods yep um so i was <laughs> i did not see that coming like sure you didn't at all um, I kind of thought that, like, Yuki was definitely, like, off, but... Dude's got some, <laughs> got some issues, man. He's trying to resolve. Yeah, and, like, even by the whole entire end of the series, I don't think he's resolved any of them, but... <laughs> hey, if yeah. he wants to dress as Menma, whatever makes him happy, you know? I mean, like, looking back at it now, like, it makes sense, but, like, as it was happening, I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That was just, like, the first time I was, like, thrown for the loop. So, Yuki thinks Menma died because of him. So, this is kind of where we see Yuki's kind of trauma come to life. He thinks that Menma would show up to him. He thinks that Menma should show up to him to haunt him because that's why he thinks that Menma died, essentially. Um... So Jintan tries to convince Yuki that she is here by saying that she liked the hair clip that he gave her. And 
there was a childhood flashback to Yuki giving Menma a clip for her hair as she was running away trying to go after Jintan. Um, and it was also of Yuki confessing his undying love for Menma, which is still fucking very apparent in this whole entire story. <laughs> like, to the point where it's kind of, like, obsessive. Um, and Yuki seems to kind of be having, like, a mental breakdown at this point. And in this in this episode, it kind of, like, pans to Sudoku sitting in her room, and she's, like, wearing this clip. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, does Sudoku have the clip that Yuki threw in the woods in their childhood, like, after Menma ran away? And I was like, yep, she does. I was like, yo, they're all fucking in love with each other. Like, what the hell? Um, so this there's kind of like a side story to this so Anjo kind of goes into the city to hang out with her like slutty friends um they go to like they go to like hang out with these I guess college guys or high school guys or whatever they were um and one of them essentially kind of like convinces her to like leave with him because she thought he was gonna walk her to the train station when in fact she really he really walked her to a love hotel and thought that she was going to fuck him um so she literally almost gets raped it basically in the street and yuki kind of finds her and stops them and this point it's like so yuki asks anjo out and in my mind i'm like but you love menma and anjo loves jinton i'm like how is this gonna work um and so she obviously declines because she still has something for jinton and menma gets upset at this point because Popo keeps talking about heaven and she's like confused about why she's actually stuck there in the first place. So that's kind of like the halfway point in this series. And I was like engrossed and like, I couldn't stop watching. I was like, I need to know what happens. <laughs> um, so episode six, Jean Tan is trying to figure out why Menma hasn't moved on to he heaven and why she's still there. Um, he's trying to he's still trying to go back to school again to see if that's her unfinished business but it turns out that's really not he still needs to go to school though and eventually does um this is the part kind of where anjo she goes back to school and everybody finds out about the love hotel scene and everyone is essentially calling her a slut and jean kind of stood up for her and made a fool of her <laughs> made a fool of himself in front of everyone essentially saying like how can you keep on talking about this person that went to a love hotel when i've known her for x y and z years and she would never do that and you're not talking about the person who hasn't been to school in five years like start talking about me <laughs> like he literally had this whole entire discussion with himself in the middle of the classroom but um it was nice to see him kind of like stand up for anjo in a sense um they also, so Anjo, Popo, and Jitan, they go to Menma's house to try to find something to figure out for her wish. And this is where the whole diary comes into play. So they get her diary in hopes that it will help. Uh, Menma gets like really upset that they actually went to her house because she said that she doesn't want her mom to be sad. And every time like she thinks of Menma, she kind of gets engrossed with the fact that she has passed away. And she basically wants her mom to forget about her. And Jean Tan ends up getting upset with her because she always puts other people before herself. When in retrospect, that's exactly what he fucking does as well. I'm like, this is why you guys are perfect for each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up finding something in her diary that they think might be her wish. And it's to use a rocket to send a message to heaven. They, or Yuki kind of seems very pessimistic about the whole entire idea. And 
he he's like never wanting to believe anything kind of just like he feels like something is going to just implode at any moment um so they start thinking about this idea and start figuring out how they can actually come across and do the plan yuki and sudoku seem to remember a conversation or a meeting right before menma died and they think this is what the wish is really about um for what menma wanted to share with them but they couldn't really figure out the details at that point um they're also trying to figure out and work on the rocket to make and to raise the money to get it built and eventually they find out the person that was going to give them the gunpowder to actually make the rocket somebody ended up finding out about it which was menma's dad and he shut it down and so they kind of are left to figure out what how they can kind of go about it to try to make this rocket in menma's name so that way she can pass on to heaven but they're trying to figure out like what they can do to convince menma's dad to persuade them so that's kind of what episode eight is about they go back to menma's house to try and convince her mom because they thought that her mom was like the one that i guess would be on their side to kind of give a memorial for her daughter but come to find out menma's mom blames the whole group for her daughter dying in the first place um so she has like a lot of like underlying like anger towards them and you can definitely tell that she does not have their best interest at art at heart um yuki blames jintan for bringing menma back up again and forcing his trauma on others which i could see in a sense but i'm like at the same time like he really is seeing menma and he's just trying to like give the message along and whatnot um so he kind of like starts to think badly about himself like okay well everybody in this group i'm like making them feel bad and making them feel all these different things and trauma was being brought up so he basically essentially says that he's gonna figure out the wish for himself and i loved this scene it was so it was so nice um anjo finally admits that she loves jean time in an up in like um kind of a scene where they're they are they're working together in a video store or com or video game whatever it is and he walks out because he ended up passing out from working too many jobs and she just got so frustrated with him always putting other people before himself and he's not sleeping and she admits that she loves him even now and tries to get jean Tan to slow down because he passed out it says that as soon as her wish is granted that menma will disappear and that he's has this unhealthy obsession with trying to have her pass on but he really didn't stop to think about the fact that when she does pass on like he's she's going to disappear and like she's not coming back again um so jintan knows that as soon as that she does disappear again it will hurt and menma hears popo talking on the phone about the rest of the friends not believing that she's back so she runs home and kind of calls all them um and so this is kind of where all the friends are pointing fingers at jintan saying that he keeps on bringing keeps on bringing up menma keeps on bringing up menma and he really doesn't have any proof to show them that menma really does exist yeah and the phone calls that were happening were menma calling each of them to try to tell them about the wish and to try to persuade them to kind of come back together but obviously because she's a ghost like they can't hear her so they all end up back at the the hideout and she's trying to figure out a way to prove to them that she really is there so she writes in her diary and drops it on the floor for them to realize that she is there and i was just like 
that's so cool that her diary was kind of like the key to like breaking everything open. I was like, that was very clever. <laughs> um, episode nine, they're still trying to do the rocket. Yuki and Tsutoko realize that it's not Menma's father that didn't want the fireworks. It was their, it was her mom that was kind of destroying the whole entire fact because she thinks that she just wants her daughter to like rest in peace and that they keep on bringing up everything and she just can't deal with it. Um, so Yuki takes it upon himself to go and find Menma's dad and he confesses that he loved his daughter and begs him to reconsider. His dad ends up changing his mind or convinces his mom and gives him the okay to help with the rocket. Um, Yuki is again mad at Jintan because he's the only one that can see Menma. He's like still harboring those feelings for Menma and he just feels like he should be she he should also be able to see her um again memma can only communicate through her diary but no other forms of paper so like she tried to write on another piece of paper when they were sitting around their table and they were eating that bread thing um and she couldn't write on the paper and Menma, you see kind of at this point where you realize how attached Jintan is to Menma because there was a scene at the very end of this episode where um, Menma is looking at this fish in a river and she goes to get a closer look of it and she walks up to the edge of the river and because Menma had died from drowning, Jintan thought that if she touched the river, she would like disappear or drown again or whatever it might be. So he literally goes to her and like grabs her and essentially tells her like, no, you can't go into the river. So you really kind of see like how attached Jintan is to her at that point. And he almost has like the, uh, an unhealthy attachment to the fact how like Yuki is, but he's a little bit more sane about it. Um, yeah. Yuki definitely has a lot more issues. He, he is definitely desperate, though, at this point. Oh, like, Jintan is, like, almost... Because he's realizing that she's... It's getting closer because at this point, they know that the rocket is going to go off the next day. Yeah. And that once the rocket goes off, that she would disappear. Right. Um. So, there's that. Okay, so, episode 10 is all about the rocket that they have been planning for for weeks and on end they've been building popo's throwing menmo going away party sudako is basically blaming yuki for being a coward and not helping menma go to heaven because yuki said that he was not going to go to it and he realized that she's right like i need to stop being selfish i need to let menma pass on to go to heaven um, Sudako also said that she remembered what Memma wanted to meet about and she needed them to help her do something for Jintan. Um, and that it's also at this point where you kind of see, um, some more flashbacks between like, uh, Jintan and his mom a little bit, just kind of like talking about like how she passed away and kind of like the underlying kind of like, I guess like fear or guilt or whatever it was just for how she passed away in general. Um, so Yuki says that shit that they, this is where I was like, you're still a fucking dick. So Yuki wants to reenact the moment that Jintan runs out and Menma follows him. And it's at this point where Jintan finally admits that he does like Menma because he's never actually apologized to Menma for the fact that he essentially called her ugly yeah. um, and ran out. So he admits that he does like Menma, Sunako admits that she loves Yuki. Menma admits that she likes Jintan. 
Um, Jean Tan tells her to stay instead of going to heaven, but she said that she has to, she has to in order for her to be reincarnated so she can talk to everyone again. Because Menma, if you guys haven't realized by now, she's very like, she is not concerned about herself. She's always concerned about others and she doesn't want herself to only be tort. She doesn't want herself to only be visible to Jean Tan. She wants to also be visible to the other friends as well. So, um, they, the, the plan goes forward because he realizes that and the group realizes that she needs to go to heaven and Jean Tan actually ends up inviting Menma's family and all of the friends besides Jean Tan want her to go. And you start to see like Jean Tan kind of start second guessing himself for like, well, what if she stays? Like she can just stay with me like forever and yada, yada, yada. And he's being really selfish at this point, but he's also being really desperate as well. Um, so at the end of this episode, the rocket is launched right as Jean Tan tries to stop it. So he goes to try to stop it. And right as he walks, it, the rocket is launched. So this is episode 11. I'm going to start spoiling things. So if you don't want to listen to the ending of this, go to the timestamp that's listed in the description. So this is where I absolutely fucking was destroyed and I lost my mind. Um, so they fired the rocket and Menmo was still there. Right. They, so Jean Tan sneaks out of the house to meet up with the rest of the group and Menma's looking as if she's starting to like disappear. And it's at this point where you kind of, you start to see a little bits and pieces of it as well. And I kind of alluded it to it, alluded to a little bit of it throughout the course of this, the series. Um, we start to see the flashbacks between Jean Tan and his mom and, and you see Menma having those flashbacks as well. So it's not only Jean Tan having the flashbacks, it's Menma more so. And she's remembering this conversation that she had with Jean Tan's mom right before she passed away. And that's where she kind of got the idea for reincarnation because Jean Tan's mom knew she was going to be dying and that she was okay with it. And she was at peace because she knew that she was going to be reincarnated as a baby something. It could be a baby human, a dog, right. a flower, whatever yep. it was. Um, so she definitely plays a very, very large role in how Menmo will eventually get to heaven. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> Menma looks as if she's starting to disappear again. Um, it's at this point, the group literally like implodes on itself. Anjo and Sudoko go at it. Sudoko admits she loves Yuki again, but that she was really jealous of Anjo all those years. And this whole entire 25 minutes, I was literally just staring at the TV. I was like, I was like, oh my God. It was just like one thing after another. Um, and then we also find out why Popo is harboring feelings of that he was feeling guilty. So he admitted that he saw Menma drowning and that he couldn't save her because he was being a coward. Um, they realized that they were not thinking of Menma at all when they were trying to get to get her to heaven, but really of themselves. So Anjo was trying to get her to heaven so that she can have Jean Tan to her to herself. Sudoku was trying to get her to go to heaven so that way Anjo can go to Jean Tan and that way Sudoku can go to Yuki. And Yuki was trying to get her to go to heaven. Um, I guess he was really the only one, I guess, in a sense. That uh, I think it's more he's probably jealous of her being able to be with Jitan. Yeah, that's true. Because he doesn't. He didn't want Jitan to be the only one there. And then Popo 
because he saw her drowning. Right, and he um, just felt ups- He felt uh, guilty for it. And I would wanted feel to- upset. I mean, yeah, too. like Jesus fucking shit. <laughs> oh my Go ahead. goodness. Um, so they basically all come to a consensus that they're going to grant her wish no matter what. And it's at this point where Jean Tan goes back to get Memma and realizes that she's disappearing and really going to heaven and the afterlife. Um, and it's at this point where she realizes that her what her wish was, and it was a promise that she made to Jean Tan's mom, and it was to make Jean Tan cry. And I was just like, what are you doing to my emotions right now? I was like, <laughs> oh my god. So he basically grabs Menma to try to bring her to their base so that they all can say goodbye to her. And this ending destroyed I me. I bet it did. Oh my god. Um, like I literally want to cry just like thinking I, about I'm, it. Right I'm now. sure, like as soon as you got to the part where they open the letters, you're just like, ah! yeah, literally. So he grabs Menma to try to bring her to the base to get to um to have them all say goodbye. And when he eventually gets to the base, Jean Tan actually stops seeing Menma but he can still hear her so you start to kind of figure out that they used to play hide and seek when they were younger and so they kind of reenact the scene of hide and seek but obviously menma realizes that she's about to pass on so she uses all of her strength left to essentially write them all letters to tell them like what she likes best about them and leaves it under the tree and so they basically all chant are you ready to act as if they're playing hide and seek she answers when she answers i am ready they can all like see her and hear her um and then she like passes on because they all say that they found her and i was just like (laughs) like i want to cry thinking right now what did you think of the notes though that she left them i really liked the notes that she left them because it kind of like it pulled their character out and i was just like this is exactly how i would describe their character it was like very spot on um and it was like very personal so okay so then what happens at the very end after she disappears do you do you remember i don't even know well after she disappears like at what it has like a little scene where like it's them afterwards you don't remember seeing that Oh, they were, like, they promised to, like, keep her wish alive or whatever? Yeah, and, like, uh, Anjo is, like, meeting up with uh, Jean Tan again because it looks like she's trying to, like, you know, get together with him or something. And did I not watch that scene? I don't know. Did you? I might have missed that. Was it after the credits? I don't remember. I'll have to look. I don't remember that. Yeah, there's, like, scene a scene, like, that shows, like, all of them afterwards. I might. I don't know. I was, like, so destroyed at that point where I was just, like... <laughs> trying to like compose myself so if you're just joining us back if you have not watched this anime please go and watch it (laughs) i will tell you it is i honestly i almost think i like this better than your lie in april yeah it's it uh Um, yeah uh, there's parts of your lie in april i like more like I like the some of the scenes I like with the piano are really good. Yeah. Um, but like just like the general story. Yeah, and the story whatnot. I think's good. Um. Yeah. Okay. So 
I would definitely probably put this on like my top five anime now. Okay. What did you give the story? Okay. So I gave it a five. Okay. Um, I said I was compelled the whole time and kept wanting to know like what was going to happen. This was the first show that you have ever given me where I didn't have to like force myself to get through it. Like I was generally sad when this was over. So I was like, okay, well, is there, is there a season two? And I There's was not like, a season two. That's the thing with anime. There's like, there's, I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time where you don't want to destroy it. So I guess there's that. I said it was very compelling and there were a few curveballs in there as well as like that I did not see coming. Um, especially like the whole entire thing at the end with the whole entire wish, which I will not repeat it just so that I don't, that I don't spoil the ending again. Um, but that and the whole thing with like Yuki and his like really, really his trauma and whatnot, the hair clip that Sudoku eventually went to go find and just the whole aspect that I felt like, number one, I feel bad for Popo because nobody loves Popo. I, I love like, Popo. I love Popo, but in like, I felt like there was just so many like intertwining, like love triangles through this whole entire thing because it was Jintan and Menma. Then it was Anjo pining after Jintan and Sudoku was pining after Yuki and Yuki was pining over Menma and nobody like really I think that's what makes Popo interesting, though, is yeah. that his he he seems like the most stable out of all of them, right? Yeah, but there Rather, are a couple he, instances where he started to like. Yeah, he cracks, but yeah. there's like for you feel like when you first meet him, you're like, okay, this is like the most mature dude. He's got mm -hmm. yeah, he's traveling a lot. He's got it, you know, going, and then you find out his main thing, and you're just like, damn, shit, man, like you don't have it all together. <laughs> <sighs> okay, characters. Okay, so characters. So we talked about the main characters: was Jintan, Menma, Anjo, Yuki, Sudako, and Popo. Um, Jintan was the leader of the group. He self pities himself in the beginning, but eventually evolves based on his love for Menma. He can be selfish at times and feels Menma's death is his fault for saying those unkind words to her so long ago. Menma, we talked about, she's the ghost in the story and can only be seen by Jintan. Is brought back to complete a wish from a while ago. And is always happy and go lucky and puts others before herself. Anjo, secretly in love with Jintan, wants to be exactly like Menma. She's also a really big follower. She changes her personality based on the people that she's around. She's also, however, she's also compassionate and caring. And she's also, I feel like, classified as the organized nerd kind of in the story. <laughs> um, just by like the whole like Pokemon scene as well. And she feels that Menma's fault is her fault, or Menma's death is her fault um, because of the question that she asked Jintan. Yuki, he seems to be the dick in the group. He speaks his mind and taunts, he taunts others based on their weaknesses or flaws. Um, he also is the one that has the most trauma in the group and feels that Menma's death was his fault because he could have stopped her to run off but didn't try as hard as he could. And he also he confessed his love to her before she died. Um, so that could also kind of, he was also rejected in a sense. And as soon as he was rejected, she basically died. Um, yeah. Uh, Sudoku, she's uppity and smart. She kind of like takes her studies very seriously. Isn't usually concerned what other people think of her. Secretly in love with Yuki and always wanted to be like Anjo because of how she handled Yuki. Um, Anjo, just her personality she doesn't like take shit from other people and she can kind of dish back what yuki gives to her and so sudoku was always really jealous of her and she blames herself as well for menma's death because they all do 
Um, <laughs> Popo, funny and goofy friend, the one that always has your back. He's a hard worker. He wants wants he wants what's best for Menma always, and doesn't really question Jean Tan when he initially says she's back, and he blames himself for Menma's death um, because he saw her drowning. So characters, I also gave a five. Um, I said character development in all was such a great, and there was so much character development across all of them, and I felt like they all changed in a certain sense, but it was also a really great balance with personalities. Um, so direction and cinematography. So the, the direction of this whole entire series is driven by the wish that Menma has to pass on. And I said at times it felt like they were kind of reaching a little with trying to connect the wish to the initial storyline at the very beginning of the series. Um, however, everything kind of like tied back to the childhood and that one moment that changed everything when Anjo asked Jean Tan, do you like Menma? I also really liked um, the kind of like the twist at the end for how like her wish really did come about. I won't mention it again. And I said that each character has an essential piece in, in the plan. It kind of has like a driving force. Like there's not one character that has kind of like more headway over the other. I think they do a really good job exploring all of the characters and how they're intertwined. So I gave this one a four only because I felt like they were reaching at times with the yep. whole entire wish thing. Okay. Um, and that was at the beginning. Music, I fucking love this music. Like I've already listened to, like you had this on your playlist before. So as soon as they played this, I automatically recognized it. So all of the music that they selected for this series, it prompted some type of emotion. Yeah, so that ending song becomes kind of a... That, look, there's other people I've I've watched videos on where they've done analysis of this series where mm -hmm. they've kind of given it what, what's the term um, a Pavlovian effect right where yeah. like you it's kind of like that that test where you do something to the a dog salivating dog yeah. yeah it's like that with this song you because really you associate sad. it in your head with with sadness because every time it's played you're like I'm gonna cry or something yeah. you know so and then that last song that song because they do a variation of it mm -hmm. at the last episode it starts playing and immediately because they they've made you think of it you start crying because you're just like you've you've made me think of that and this is sad mm -hmm. i need to, yeah it's it's a genius in terms of sound design how they do it I, it's insane but all the music that they had i would 100 listen to it again and i gave that a five as well okay so overall enjoyment, I fucking love this series. So clearly I gave that a five as well. Um, okay. So without further ado, let me go back and re-say my scores and then I'll tell you my total. Okay. Um, and then I'll have you re-say yours. So okay. story, I gave a five. Let me scroll down. Sorry, guys. Characters, I gave a five. Direction and cinematography, I gave a four. Music was a five, and overall enjoyment was a five. So the total was a 19. 19? You mean 24? 24. <laughs> okay. So. Clearly, I can't do math, guys. <laughs> story, I gave a four. Characters, five. Direction cinematography, five. Music sound design, five. Overall enjoyment, five. Which is a 24. So we so tied. We tied. <laughs> oh, shit. Again. I'm surprised. It's funny because when I was scoring this one, I was like, 
Like, I really wanted to be hard on this series. Like, I really tried to nitpick because I knew as soon as I got to, like, episode three, I was like, fuck, he's going to win this episode. <laughs> and I'm like, at the point, at that point, I was just like, I don't fucking care because I love this series so much. that I was like, I'm just going to give him the win. I was, I'm actually surprised you liked it so much. I mean, I, I knew this was going to be something you'd probably enjoy because I've been trying to actually get you to watch this a couple times because I was like, this is such a her series <laughs> because this is, she loves to watch shit that makes her cry mm-hmm. and this shit will make you cry. If there's no, this is. Did this make no, you cry? The, this- the ending scene made me cry because it, at, when you get to it, it like kind of, it hits you because they train you to think this is sad. And that ending scene is really what does it to you because oh, you're I was just destroyed. like, because you're just, it's when they open the fucking cards Yeah, is when I'm just like, oh no, oh yeah. God. Because you know it's coming. Yeah. And you're, and you're opening them because you're, I mean, when it ha- I'm not going to spoil it, but the point is, is that you think that it's going to end like that, right? Yes. You, you're just like, no, but then don't. The, the, like the actual ending scene. Yeah. And you're just like, like how they tied it back <sighs> to their childhood. It was like so pleasing, but at the same time, so heart wrenching to like see and to hear. I'm just like, I felt like somebody was like squeezing my heart. I was like, yeah, it's it's pretty genius how they do it. But yeah, I'm surprised that we we tied there. I think this is a highest score we've both given. I think so. Anything. Now, we tied once before. Yeah, but, but I don't think it was this high. I think it was no, at like... 17 or 18 or yeah. something. Yeah, this is the... These are both, I think, for us, the highest rated things we've given. So, it's a good episode. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right. We were evenly matched. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I think, I think I'm still winning, but... Okay. Well, anyway. We're, we're not keeping track. Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh because I know we enjoyed watching the shows. If you have anything you th- you would want to recommend that you think we would like based on any previous shows you've, I mean, ep- episodes you've listened to uh, for us, you can send us an email at wordlovepodcast at gmail.com. Just don't recommend it based on 80s or 90s or Mike won't watch it. And if you do, don't just say it's an <laughs> 80s and 90s because then I definitely won't watch it. Uh, and otherwise, you can follow us for any updates that we have for the podcast. We are at Instagram and at twitter at uh warren lovecast otherwise i typically will give some updates every now and then my twitter is mr space lion Mm -hmm. and with that see you later guys bye